0: Well, well, Chandler, today we have some truly gruesome content to go over. The topic is not quite our usual fodder. Before we get into
1: truly very gruesome content, exactly like you said, I need to tell you a quick story that I've been dying to tell you. Oh, please. Okay. It took everything in me not to tell you first thing when I woke up this morning because I had a little bit of a funny experience um, on Facebook Marketplace, okay? Oh, gosh, okay. Okay. (laughs)
0: Guys, it doesn't matter how much Chandler climbs the corporate ladder at whatever tech behemoth she's working for. She will still be sourcing all of her clothing, furniture, sanitary items from Facebook Marketplace. (laughs)
1: Sanitary items. Okay, like you're literally a grocery store wayfinder. (laughs) All of her feminine hygiene products. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) Let me just let me just set the scene because we have a lot to get into today, but I just need to tell you this story quickly. okay. um I, I was selling a spine bookshelf, okay? I bought this spine bookshelf with Ben and I moved in together over the summer. What's a spine bookshelf? It's like one of those freestanding bookshelves where like, just look it up, okay? people who know you know anything about anything will recognize that this is just you know a very standard bookshelf thats is, like is one of those IKEA
0: times- pieces of
1: crap that's like has an empty back. You know, I actually kind of prefer to uh, buy used pieces of Ikea furniture on Facebook Marketplace. this I don't know where these or, the origin story of this one was because I bought it off Marketplace. Anyways, when I bought it off Marketplace, I went to, you know, a lady's apartment. I walked inside. I was kind of disoriented okay. because she seemed like a hoarder. And she said, here's the here's the bookshelf. You know, just tighten the screws a little bit and it will be straighter. It'll stand up straighter. And Ben and I are like, okay, whatever. It's fine. I pay her for it. I bring it home. We tighten the screws. It doesn't really help all that much. Okay? Okay. So then I I kind of then have this like, you know, a little bit of a, uh, a lemon bookshelf, but it's fine. It works fine. You know, also to some people, maybe they don't notice that it's saggy.
0: Can I just say for people who don't know what a spine bookshelf is, and I just looked yeah. it up, it's a bookshelf where it's basically like a strip of wood or some sort of material mm-hmm. that runs up a wall. And then it's like, you'll have like three books stacked on each that sure. has its own little shelf. I mean, it's pretty sleek, right? It's pretty sleek. Yeah, it actually does look relatively cute. Yeah, it's funny you say that
1: because I offered it to all of my friends for free, and everyone said no, which I did take <laughs> personal offense at. Um, anyways, so I listed on marketplace for a hundred dollars. All right, uh, a couple okay. weeks ago, because Ben's like, I really don't like this. It doesn't really like look great in our place, and I'm like, that's totally fine. Let's let's try to get rid of it. I listed on marketplace for a hundred dollars. It sits there. It gets a little bit of traction. People are offering me far below, you know, what I've uh, oh gosh, yeah. At last, at long last, someone offers me the a full hundred dollars. Mind you, I've taken
0: present day photos of it. Okay. Oh wow! So it's a really great listing. As I'm show- to just- well, I'm,
1: you know, I'm just showing everyone that, like, as it is. You know, I'm not trying. There's no movie magic happening with this.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. So, anyways, let's just cut to the chase. This man offers me a full value for it, and I'm like, great. When can you pick it up? Okay. And I okay. just feel like there's an unspoken rule on Facebook Marketplace where it's like you list something and you just kind of get it in the condition you get it in. OK, like you're just not supposed to ask too many questions.
0: Correct. Correct.
1: And, you know, I just feel like this is just like the gray area of human dealings and, you know, of buying used furniture.
0: Anyhow. Absolutely. absolutely, I mean, honestly, right? anything under $400 that you get from yes. Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, it's just like put up and shut up. You're just yes. going to take the photos unless it's like slashed and completely otherwise. Right. Unless it's not functioning. Yeah. Like you have, there's a 20% margin of errors or issues right. or deterioration from the photos okay. to in real life. Right. Okay. So let me just
1: set the scene. The man Great. is coming to my place. He's going to meet me. Um, I bring it down to the lobby for him. Okay. Um, at this point, you know, I see him approaching. He's wearing a craftsman vest that looks like he, I don't know, it kind of looks like he might be like an Eskimo of some sort, not like because it's so big and warm, but just because it's like, looks so handmade. Right. Okay. And he just has like, he, he has a different presence about him, I'll say. And I kind of hurriedly, I'm like, here's the shelf. You know, I'm like, you might try to tighten the bolts. Uh, he hands me the cash and then I'm like, all right, I'll be on my way. And then he says to me, be well and kind of bows a little bit. Oh, Great.' Okay, beautiful. <laughs> I will tell you that there was a small gong that hit in in my head, okay? Because I just had this feeling that I was dealing with someone who was more karmic than the average person on Facebook marketplace. Okay? Because he said, be well to me, you know Like I just was like, huh, that's an interesting greeting. And I think I felt a little bit of guilt too that I was giving him the bookshelf that maybe wasn't pristine, okay?
0: Oh, because did you not note in the listing that it was leaning?
1: Of course not I didn't lo- note in the listing that's for everyone with their two eyes to see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. It's like read the photos. It's photos like photos worth a thousand photos, words.
1: A thousand words adjust your expectations, make me an offer. He made me an Absolutely. offer at full price, okay? Oh so gosh,
0: I'm So anyways okay. when he,
1: when he said be well, I really swear like to you that a gong like hit in my head and I was just like, huh. I was like. I don't know that this is going to end well because he just seems like <laughs> someone who's like pretty authentic and
0: like, you know, someone who's more karmic, cosmic, whatever. Okay, Can I just say something? Yeah. When someone says be well, yeah, they might as well be announcing they just went to some sort of like Buddhist retreat, silent exactly. retreat that they just did mm-hmm. ayahuasca. Yeah, I almost yeah. think the phrase be well is kind of like a flex. It's like I'm very yes. evolved and you're going to know that by my salutation. It was literally like all is right
1: with me in the universe. I hope everything will be right (laughs) with you in the universe. Okay. It gets better. Okay. So I, you know, I have this moment where I'm like, "Uh, I don't feel great about that, but like, whatever. He saw the photos. I wasn't, there was no movie magic as I said before. Okay. So then I receive a message that I don't see until hours later. Okay. This is from him. He says, Hey there, thanks for the easy (laughs) handoff and everything. I just tightened all the screws and a bunch of them are (laughs) stripped. This is a pretty sacky spine. And then he says, obviously, you don't want it back, but I feel like I spent a hundred bucks on a broken thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here we go. He says, <laughs> I don't really know what he means in this first sentence, but he says, I'm not mad. And the caveat emptor phrase goes to me. I ascribe zero malice here.
0: Wait, Wait hold on. The caveat emptor phrase. Can you spell the words you're trying to read? And so it's, I am not mad
1: at the caveat emptor phrase. I don't know what emptor phrase means. I don't know if he was trying to say something else.
0: Okay, caveat emptor phrase meaning. Let the oh, this is a whole challenge. this is a whole thing. Look, <laughs> it gets this so is much not better. a typo. <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> let the buyer beware. Oh my god. Uh, it's a, a Latin it's like phrase Latin. that means let the <laughs> buyer beware. <laughs> caveat emptor phrase. Who are we dealing with? It gets so much better. <laughs> So
1: I'm not mad. And the caveat emptor phrase goes to me. I ascribe zero malice here. I bring this up. To the- I-, I bring this up and to ask simply, Dash, can you do anything? And quote, no, I can't is a real answer that I'm prepared to accept. Oh, my gosh.
0: Wow. This guy just wants you to feel like the piece of trash you are. Oh,
1: I have never felt smaller in my entire life. <laughs> So then I'm just like, uh, I immediately like start to feel like I did my homework wrong. My teacher's mad at me. Like the, the hypervigilance sets in the, everyone hates you. You're a dishonest person. Okay. Yeah. You know, moms, is it worth the celestial kingdom sets in? Uh, yes, Um, yes. So then I say, Hey, sorry, I am just seeing these. I am sorry the screws are stripped and I didn't know that. I don't, I don't really know what that phrase means totally. I honestly don't know
0: what screws being stripped means. It's a phrase I've heard a few times, but right. Go ahead. And, like,
1: yeah, exactly. I'm just going to claim ignorance on that one. Um, but then I just say, I am happy to pay you back because I just feel like the omen is too great. We then go back and forth, and he says he has PayPal, but not Venmo. I PayPal the guy, and he says, Thank you. Blessings on your road.
0: <laughs> okay. Here's the thing you could have just easily said, I'm sorry. That you didn't review the photos right. with, a, with a degree of you know precision Can, right. for a man well aware of caveat emptor phrase. Right, right. <laughs> However, I am prepared, you know, to bring down the price by half right. in order to compensate for the extra lean not anticipated. I'm shocked that such an enlightened individual. A be well-er, a blessing's on thy road, or
1: right, right, accepted, accepted the 400 it. back. I know he didn't even try to counter say, Oh, you know, just give me back 50 or 25.
0: Okay, I have an idea.
1: I got played, but yeah,
0: I think we you should send him a new, a new <laughs> message <laughs> 24 hours be later. Like, I have been thinking a lot about (laughs) on my road.
1: While on my road,
0: I've been on my road, and I've been blessed with a few additional thoughts. (laughs) Blessed as I am on my road, I have been thinking of you, and I would like for you to consider PayPaling me back for half of the product because you did still receive a bookshelf. Right, he still got like as it might. He still got wood,
1: you know, materials from me, raw materials.
0: Exactly. And I would say, no, I can't, is an answer I'm willing to accept. <laughs> <laughs> Be well. Be and well. Just see what he says. Just see what I he know says. I
1: no, honestly, we're not going to get into all this, but I do believe in karma, and I do think that I was blessed today on my road. And I think we pop apologists should incorporate blessings on your road
0: more. So Chandler, I did not have even somewhat of a similar interaction, but I had something in the same wheelhouse happen to me recently. Okay, You actually did. So I I put up like 10 things on Poshmark. Everyone can hit up my Poshmark. It has some cute stuff on it right now. Yeah.
1: Rubber's hitting the road for us in Q1. Just everyone. Exactly. Trying to get back in the black.
0: And so I get a comment on my Poshmark that's like, I want this immediately. Please email me like with their email address, you know, for a direct transaction, which I'm always a friend of. So anyway, so I say, hi, it's available. Thanks. So then I get an email back from Mariana Wilson with a photo. This person looks very reputable. She says, Mm. thanks for your response. I'm really interested in buying it from you. And please note, I will overnight the payment ASAP, but I will be paying with a cashier's check or money order from my bank Mm. and it will be delivered to you via UPS courier service the next 24 hours. And also I will arrange for the shipping as soon as you deposit the check through your mobile bank app or ATM and it clears your bank. Also, you don't have to release item until you get your money at hand. Please get back to me with your full name to be on the check, your mailing address, cell number and asking price for the purchase. I'm offering an additional $50 With the original price To have this ASAP I'm completely satisfied with it And the payment will be delivered Within 24 hours Payment will be mailed out immediately I don't know where the scam is here Because obviously this is a scam So if anyone has been scammed By one of these Poshmark people Please let me know I said Mariana what kind of scam Are you running here?
1: Because I'm genuinely curious Honestly, like no one on the internet is doing you any favors. No one in any type of like online commerce spot is doing you any favors and offering you additional money
0: for something. No, and but the thing the strange thing is is you just have to send them your full name, your address, your cell phone number, and the money, the amount you want, which seems like all readily available information online. I suppose. And then they'll mail you a check. You don't have to mail it out until you get the check. If anyone knows how this scam actually works and how they actually get you, please write in. Is there any way that somehow the DMers. check
1: actually doesn't deposit money into your account, but it retrieves money from your account? Is that possible? I don't think,
0: chill, <laughs> I don't think there are retriever checks. Okay. I think we I think would there know. There might
1: be. I think Mariana could be running that scam.
0: We would know much, out. All too, we would be all too wary of retriever checks. <laughs> anyway, there was also another thing where I thought I was getting scammed in St. Barts, but that's a whole other story. But I'll tell I'll tell that I'll save that on the Patreon. Okay, but Chandler, let's move forward to the contents of the episode. That was great. I do feel like
1: karma came back for me today in other ways. And so yeah, my road has been blessed. I'll say
0: it. Well, do you know whose roads were not blessed decidedly horrifically? Yes, that's right. Let's get to the meat of the episode. We are here to discuss the University of Idaho murders. Chandler, have you been following this like religiously like everyone else? Or were you like yeah. me and kind of just like I wasn't paying that much attention to it.
1: Um, no, I've been following this. I will say, I, I don't know that I'm an expert on this, but I have consumed quite a lot of content about it. I think there are so many experts on it, like on TikTok and everything, that like I've just kind of been like... you know,
0: Consuming the
1: information. Consuming as it's come across. But I have definitely been following this. Like, I remember when it happened. I remember kind of thinking like, wow, they're taking a really long time to figure out who did this. And then I, yeah. I, I probably was Googling... Every few days, like, you know, Idaho murder. It's like updates. And, you know, your brother-in-law, his fiance Kim, who we know and love, she has been following very closely. And so her and I were talking a lot during Christmas about it.
0: So I have an entire report to share with you today on these murders. Mm -hmm. We're going to go through exactly why this has captured the attention of the nation. Okay. Yeah. Um, And the way that this report is really going to unfold and the way we're going to discuss this is how... People found out about everything, right? So, like, as we mm-hmm. start kind of sharing, we're not going to get to the details that have recently come out until the end, right? Right, um, because that will kind of explain why I think there was so much suspense and it was yep. so chilling,
1: right? Right, um, fair,
0: yeah. And i've I've even uncovered some new
1: tidbits in the last hour that I had not never heard before.
0: Okay, well, let's get into it. So this this crime began after midnight on Sunday, November 13th, when four University of Idaho students were found stabbed to death in their apartment. Their names are Kaylee Gonsalves, Madison Mogan, Ethan Chapin, and Zaina Kurnodal. They were all students at the University of Idaho, and they all lived in a nearby off-campus residence in Mm -hmm. Moscow, a college town of about 25,000 people. Chandler I have to tell you when I first was reading about this I definitely was relieved to find out that this was that Moscow was the name of the town in Idaho because I fully did think that the murderer was from Moscow that's how out of the loop I've been I've been like wow my like my Russian friends cannot catch a break these days first Ukraine next University of Idaho like what is going to happen next for
1: a split second, I'm like, who are your Russian friends? You don't have any Russian friends. But then I, I realized actually you do remember. have
0: Russian friends. OK. All... OK. This crime absolutely rocked the small college town and had people in fear because not only because of the brutality of the murder, but also because of the lack of arrests and suspects. And I think, too, there was
1: just no real clear like idea of how these people were connected other than the fact that they were like roommates and like loosely friends. Some of them. Some of them are closer friends, obviously, but it was just like, it just felt so completely random. And then I think, you know, it was also just like four people in a house where two others were spared or something like that. Like, it just felt like pretty gruesome and also completely random and just nonsensical. I honestly think
0: violence, like in the middle of the street, like... Outside of a home is totally different than finding out that's like someone has been murdered in their home in your community. Right. Like that right. just makes you so feel someone safe where you live. So I can imagine this really shook up the community of Moscow, and it definitely yeah, uh, yeah. Not I can imagine it definitely did. Um, so here's a little bit about what happened the night of the murders. So on Saturday, November twelfth. The hours before the attack had been a normal Saturday night of partying for the four victims. Ethan and Mm -hmm. Zanna, they were a couple. They attended a fraternity party. Kaylee and Madison had gone to a bar and stopped by a food truck on their way home to their house on King Road. They ordered food and and waited about 10 minutes chatting with other people in line while they waited. There did not seem to be anything suspicious going on at this time, and the girls did not seem to be in distress or danger. Everyone was home. All the victims were home by 2 a.m., and most were asleep by 4 a.m. on Sunday, November 13th. So at noon Sunday... A call mm. comes in to nine one one about an unconscious person at an off-campus residence. At the time, police did not say who called nine one one, but it was later reported that one of the surviving roommates made the call to nine one one. And uh, you know, at the time this was reported, no one knew who actually made the call. Um, yeah. The two surviving roommates were not named as suspects. So officers arriving found the door to the residence open and discovered the bodies of four fatally stabbed students. There was no sign of forced entry or damage, which means that there was likely an unlocked door or window. It is mm-hmm. not known exactly at this time when the killer entered the home. The victims were found on the second and third floors of their home. The two other roommates who were unharmed were on the first floor. Yep. Okay. Okay. Should I move forward to the investigation?
1: Yeah, let me make a quick distinction about that. So, the other roommates were who were unharmed on the first floor of the home. They actually were not. They both of them did not actually live on the first floor. I think that's just maybe where they were, like when the police arrived or something. Gotcha. We find okay. out more
0: in the affidavit. Just F- correct, correct. Yes. Um. So a lot of the things, yes, that were that right now are enigmatic, mysterious. We yeah. don't know. Will be uncovered as this continues. Correct. All right. So. The investigation commences. Moscow police issue a statement identifying the four homicide victims. Um, The police say there's no one in custody, but they do not believe there is an ongoing community risk based on information gathered during their preliminary investigation. However, the police do say that an edge weapon, so a weapon with an edge, such as a knife, was used in the killing, um, and they do not have any suspects and have not found the murder weapon. However, they believe it's an isolated, targeted attack and that the community at large should remain vigilant and report anything suspicious to the police. Mm -hmm. The murders obviously make a huge impact on the town of Moscow. The university's often packed parking lots, had a lot of empty spaces as students returned home and left the area. I mean, would you not have just peaced out? Oh,
1: I cannot imagine. I mean, I feel like there's similarities to, like, utah and idaho utah where we went to school and like this like rocked provo like i would just be like bye like yeah i'm never coming back like it absolutely is not so it's so
0: horrific exactly um hoping for tips from the community the investigators released a map and timeline of the victims movements the last weekend so the map shows the four students spent most of the night separated in pairs the coroner on the case reported that she saw lots of blood on the wall when she arrived at the scene. She confirmed there were multiple stab wounds on each body, likely from the same weapon, but would not disclose how many wounds nor where they were located. The victims were likely killed in their sleep and had multiple stabbing and defensive wounds, according to the autopsies. I, I do kind of wonder, I don't really think it's possible to be killed in your sleep, right? Like, I think the second that starts occurring, you're going to wake up, right? Right. But is that well, the, end I think, of the idea? Like it's kind of over by the time you wake well, up. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think it's like yeah, it's like really dark. But I think it's like it's it's you're it's too far gone by the time you're awake. Like you can't respond and really defend yourself in a meaningful <sighs> oh way, for lack of a better term. So sad. It's so
0: horrifying. Yeah. Well, and I do think what's um I do think what's interesting is and. Um, Maybe I, I didn't see this in any of the reporting, but were they all in the same room or did he go from room to room? Room to room. Oh, he went. Okay. That makes sense because I, think I had imagined them all in the same room and I wondered no. why no one woke up. Okay. So I think the boyfriend and the girlfriend,
1: uh, Ethan and Zanna were shared in the a same room, room obviously. Okay. And then I think that the two girls were perhaps in different rooms or they shared a room. I don't gotcha. know for sure. I think I think they shared a room.
0: Okay. So there's no signs of sexual assault. The FBI began working on the case in order to field tips and create order in the investigation. Um, Moscow police said they looked extensively into information suggesting Kaylee had a stalker, but they had not been able to verify or identify anyone. They also release a list of people who they believe are not involved in the crime, including the two surviving roommates, a man in the grub truck surveillance video, that Mm -hmm. place where they stopped for food, the private party driver who took Kaylee and Madison home, the man Mm -hmm. Kaylee and Madison called numerous times the night they were killed, and any person at home when 911 was called. I do think it's interesting how quickly they ruled out the other roommates as suspects.
1: Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder what... What evidence came to light? And I don't have an answer at the end of this, but just like how they were instantly like, oh no, the other two girls who were here didn't do this.
0: I don't know. There must be some sort of forensic, I don't know. I I think, okay, this is my, with with such a gruesome murder, right? Mm -hmm. I think that it's highly unlikely that one of the roommates could have done it and then just went back to their room, right? Totally stayed that, in the that house and crazy. gotten all the organic material off of them, you know. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm not a forensic investigator, so if anyone has any info on that, that would be interesting.
1: Yeah, and like the other thing that you know, I actually was talking to Kim about is that the stabbings, and it just gets so gruesome and graphic. So just like all of the warnings, but like you know, to to really stab people, it takes a lot of brute strength. And yes, the knife that was used was pretty big, and it's just like that. You know, I, honestly, you you just typically think that, you know, a female couldn't really do that, that that mm-hmm. would have to be someone with like a, you know, male level strength. It's
0: mm-hmm. just,
1: just biology.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's frustration with the Moscow police because there's conflicting and backtracking information about whether one of the victims was specifically targeted in the attack or if the, mm-hmm. if this was a residence, the target was the residence. Yeah. So, on December 7th, finally there's a break in the case. Almost a month into the investigation, investigators say they are interested in speaking with the occupant or occupants of a white 2011-2013 Hyundai Elantra spotted near the crime scene around the time of the killings.
1: Remind me again when this was, when when they would you say a month later? December 7th. Yeah, so roughly a month later. I want to return to that once we have more evidence like from the affidavit. Remind me. Okay
0: um did you know december 7th is also damien rice's birthday
1: oh my gosh (laughs) random thank you for that thank you for that wow some great levity thank you learn okay in this moment
0: uh i had a hankering for that irishman as a high schooler everyone anyway we're gonna move forward they know they know (laughs) (laughs) investigators believe the occupants of the vehicle may have critical information to share regarding this case, says the police statement. So just an FYI, everyone, if you I don't know why I'm like now saying this all the time, but if you ever commit a crime and the police put out a statement saying that they believe that you might have critical information, they actually might believe that you committed the crime.
1: Right. Right. And I think too, what I had to remind myself of when I was impatient for the Moscow police to, you know, arrest somebody is that oftentimes the police know so much, but they cannot release anything for, you know, obviously they don't want to drive their suspect to, you know, flee or anything. And also if they make any missteps in the way that they gather evidence, like the whole case can be blown up. Like, it mm-hmm. is in those like early stages where I feel like the defense will try to poke holes in everything and get evidence thrown out or whatever. And so, you know, you, you almost have to have a lot more patience for police as they try to, you know, make the arrest in the most correct and methodical way.
0: Absolutely, and I think one of the interesting things is at the time that they said, at the time they said they're looking for the occupant of that vehicle, they obviously didn't know who that ve- who who that occupant was, right? Otherwise, they would have not alerted the suspect to the fact that they were onto him. But mm-hmm. that meant that they were they were at the end of their the road in terms of information, and so they had to share with yeah. the public um, right. because it had an unknown license plate. It didn't have a front license plate because it was we'll find this out later, but it's a Pennsylvania car. And they're not required to have front license plates. And so that's why they turn to the public for help. So yeah. this is what they say because they, they sense the frustration with the public that they're, yeah. people are annoyed that nothing is happening. It's a month later and all they have is a car um, occupant that they're looking for. Right, that's it. Right, right. So the police released a statement they say we're still 100% committed to solving this crime. We're not releasing specific details because we do not want to compromise this investigation. Mm-hmm. It's what we must do. We owe that to the families, we owe that to the victims. We want more than we want more than just an arrest. We want a conviction. Yeah. So, right. c- you know, very much exactly what you said, Chandler. So then they also say, our analysts have spent hours sorting through and trying to come up, with the, come up with the most relevant tips first for the investigators to follow up on. They have re-interviewed some of the folks we've interviewed earlier in this investigation to clarify information. Everyone in Moscow should be aware of their surroundings. Avoid walking in dark places and walk in groups when possible. This is not an indication of a specific elevated risk, but something we should be vigilant with in our daily lives.
1: He's, he's not wrong. Danger is literally everywhere.
0: Yes. Danger is everywhere. So the families of the victims also expressed frustration of the, over the situation and how they learned that the murders had taken place. So one of the family members of the victim says, we were running around for hours just not knowing what was going on, what happened. We found out by people calling us and the sheriff showed up just three hours oh, later. Wow. Yeah. That's like how they found out. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's that's pretty brutal. Right. Police said they received 20,000 tips, 9,000 emails. I mean... the Around you know roughly roughly forty five hundred phone calls, six thousand digital media submissions, and conducted three hundred interviews in the case. Mm. All right, so finally, on December thirtieth, there's an arrest. Brian Kohlberger, a twenty eight year old man, um, was arrested in Pennsylvania's Pocono Mountains that region. A SWAT team entered the location Koberger was staying in and took him into custody. He has been extradited back to Idaho where he will await his trial. So Brian Koberger, he is a PhD student. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's creepy that, you know, internet sleuths have uncovered is that he put out this strange Reddit survey a while back for people Mm -hmm. who had committed crimes. Did you see this Chandler? Well, So he's a PhD student in criminology, I'm pretty sure. Yes. So I think,
1: yeah, he put out that survey, but it like makes a little bit more sense when you realize it's like what he was studying. Yes. Until now, obviously.
0: It does make sense, but it also is weird because... The survey is like, how did you feel when you were about to co- commit your crime? I, know. I What did you do like, to cover your tracks? Right. And it's like, what person who's committed a crime is A, going to be trolling Reddit for surveys to answer, right. like giving evidence of crimes they'd committed? Yeah. I think too, it's it's weird. You can look at it under one
1: light where it's like, you know, if we knew someone who was getting a PhD in criminology and they wanted to do like a survey to better understand the minds of criminals, you know, everyone's fascinated with true crime. It's true. There would be merit to, like, you know, doing that type of research. Now, you look back and you're like, wait, was he planning this all along? And was this his way of gleaning, you know, tips and
0: advice? Well, I believe that it leans more towards the latter. So, yeah. In October, Chandler, so this is actually, did you know that you and Brian share a common oh gosh. love, a common How dare you? Oh for Facebook what? Marketplace? Oh my god. he <laughs> bought in October for $350 a Spyderco warrior knife, which is mali- believed to be the murder weapon. Oh. Obviously didn't want to pay full price. Chandler knows a little bit about that. I am so horrified by this. Uh, foreshadowing that I
1: provided at the beginning of the episode.
0: <laughs> Woof.
1: Okay, I'm getting fired. I should get
0: fired. Brian appears to have stalked the victims before the killings, mm-hmm. with his cell phone location matching up pinging cell towers near the victims on several occasions. Now, near after their house. You know, analyzing cell records, yes. Yeah. So the critical break in the case was the white 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra spotted by witnesses. Because it kept driving by the crime scene as well. So like after the fact? Yes. It kept, it It drove by the crime scene. He went back up after the crime was committed. He drove all the way back up there that morning at like 9 or 10 a.m. Wait,
1: you're joking. I didn't know that. It, I thought it was all, well, obviously before, but I didn't know that it was after.
0: Yes. He like revisited the crime scene. <gasps> Wait, wow. 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 Okay. So- The critical part in the case and how this all links to Brian is that his DNA was found in the home of the murders. So new evidence was released on Thursday, January 5th. Among the new information is the recovery of a DNA sample from a leather knife sheath found in one of the victim's beds that appears to be a strong match for Brian, as well as a revelation that a roommate of the victims had been awoken during the night and saw a strange masked man exit the house. The two other roommates were not attacked in an affidavit that was released. Moscow police said that one roommate identified in the document as DM was woken at approximately 4 a.m. by sounds coming from upstairs, including what she thought was her roommate, Kaylee saying there's someone here. Mm hmm. DM looked out her bedroom door but didn't see anything, after which she heard more noises. She told investigators, crying, a male voice saying, it's okay, I'm going to help you. More voices, a loud thud, a dog barking. She opened her door again and saw this time a figure clad in black clothing and a mask walking toward her, the affidavit says. It was a male stranger, she said, describing him as 5 feet 10 inches, not very muscular but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. As she stood in frozen shock, the man walked past her toward the house's rear sliding door, after which the roommate locked herself in her room, investigators mm-hmm. said. So, question for you. Do you think that he saw her or he didn't see her? I don't know. I want to say that I don't think
1: he saw her, but I also, like, maybe you're just in this state of adrenaline and crazy, you know, rush after all of that, that you kind of, like, out block out everything else and you're just like trying to get out but then again I just also feel like I don't know where they were standing like I don't know if she really was like obscured from him in any way
0: right right yeah it's interesting because I I mean I don't have any of this uncovered so maybe you do but there doesn't seem to be any motive or any information on why Mm -hmm. he killed these four people right so right and is there any of that uncovered yet, or no, am, am I missing I something? So. I don't know that, and they've established
1: any type of prior, you know, connection to any of these people. Um, and then also, like, you know, I do know that Madison. I think like there's some type of like prior situation with her thinking she had a stalker, but mm. that's not confirmed to be Brian or anything. And also, it doesn't really make sense because there were other like he's he somehow allegedly went to two different rooms. To kill these, you know, sets of people, but then didn't kill everyone. You know, it just it
0: seems so random. Well, He did. He killed everyone in the rooms he went into. Yeah, but not like the other two people in the house, right? But I guess, yeah, I think the question is, is did he mean to kill everyone in the home? And I, I think, right, he I don't did know. not see her. I think she was standing in the dark. I think that he had was done with the murders. He had eagle eyes on getting the f out. Right. And he was yeah. just bolting towards the door. That is my. Inclination, because I do think this was a residence attack. Yeah. So investigators canvassed the area of King Road. To collect video footage, which revealed the white sedan, the Hyundai Elantra, traveling toward the home around 3.30 a.m., making several passes by the house and then departing the area around 4.20 a.m. at a high speed. Security Mm -hmm. footage from the campus of Washington State University in Pullman, Washington, where Koberger is a graduate student, showed a similar white sedan headed in the direction of Moscow, about 15 miles away from the state line shortly before 3 a.m. So that would track for Mm -hmm. the 3 a.m. 3:30 3:30 arrival and
1: right. then
0: reappearing around 5:30 a.m. Yeah. On November 29th, a police search of vehicles registered to WSU students revealed a 2015 white Hyundai Elantra registered to Brian Koberger, originally with Pennsylvania plates that were later registered in Washington. So, yeah,
1: he redoes his registration.
0: Yes. So, this is how they get him. So after they identified Koberger as a possible suspect, police investigated his cell phone records, attempting to uncover whether his phone had pinged cell phone towers near the crime scene or on routes to and from it. An initial search showed that his phone did not, in fact, ping any cell phone towers near the crime scenes on November 13th, the date of the murders, between 3 and 5 a.m. But investigators noted that a lack of cell phone pings could be an effort to avoid alerting law enforcement of one's proximity to a crime scene, they said. Yeah. Because it didn't ping anywhere Else either Yeah you like Could have turned it off Could have put it on Airplane mode Exactly So expanding their search Authorities discovered That Koberger's phone Pings cell towers In Pullman Around 2.47 a.m. Consistent with the phone Departing Koberger's Residence And traveling south Through Pullman Toward Moscow The affidavit Mm -hmm. says And that was the last ping for about two hours. Then at 4.48 a.m., the phone appeared on the network again, pinging along highways south of Moscow, then west across the border into Washington State and then back north toward Pullman, a timeline that aligns with security footage of the white Elantra, investigators noted. The disappearance of the phone from the network for two hours was consistent with an effort to conceal his location during the quadruple homicide. I'll just say, I think, too, it's suspicious that we don't... that.
1: Uh, We don't have any record of where his phone was during that time, like him turning it off, even if he didn't, you know, like there's just that almost that omission of evidence is evidence.
0: Well, and also, why on earth are you driving towards this town, you know, at 2.47 a.m. and then back towards your home, you know, three hours later or two hours later at 4 something a.m.? That doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't you be asleep brian yep so his cell phone also this is another key part his cell phone had pinged the towers in the area of the home where these students were murdered 12 times before the homicides including as early as august 21st the day before his clashes as a graduate student were set to begin in washington state Wow. Um, most of the occasions were late at night or early in the morning um, the phone – so this is also – so listen to this. The phone also returned to the area of the crime scene around 9.15 a.m. on November 13th, about five hours after the stabbings. Mm-hmm. Insane. That's so eerie. So in mid-December, after the semester at, at Washington State had come to an end, Coburger drives the Elantra back to his family's home in Pennsylvania along with his father, who traveled to Washington so the two of them could make the long drive together. Investigators noted the evidence of the car's journey back to Pennsylvania, which was a license plate capture in Colorado and a traffic stop in Indiana. Chan, do you want to talk about this traffic stop? Yeah. So I first saw
1: this traffic stop on TikTok because someone said, you know, they knew who he was all along and they, you know, they just wanted to get DNA evidence or they wanted to see how, like, his hands or something kind of like, you know, kind of uh, niche like that. And... So I was like, whoa, that's crazy. They really did know who he was all along. But the more that I thought about it, because like they get like full body cam footage of him and his dad in this car, you know, and you can do all this extrapolation and he kind of looks a little nervous. His He says something, his dad tries to say something, Brian cuts him off, you know, obviously wants to do the talking with the police officer. Mm. And the more that I was thinking though about this, I'm like, how did I just don't believe, you know, that I don't I don't think that the police would have tried to. Like, just, you know, have this stop with him and then, you know, let him go again. Like, I just think that would have spooked him and alerted him to the fact that they were on to him. So actually, the FBI denies that it ever told the Indiana police to call to pull him over. So that was completely random. But I think some people on TikTok were like, oh, no, they were like, you know, this was intentional.
0: That's an interesting point, and I think very astute. There's no way that they're going to try to tip him off, tip off, uh, you know, a suspect that they're onto him by stopping him for traffic stops and then letting him off both times, which Which is, uh, he was stopped twice and both times was let off after a brief, polite conversation. So it's also
1: interesting because, you know, he left town in that car, decided to take a road trip home Mm -hmm. to Pennsylvania from Idaho or Washington, I guess. Washington? That seems crazy to me, but yeah. um, That's where he lived, right? Pullman, Washington?
0: He w- was a student in Pullman, Washington, but he clearly was a PhD student, seemingly coming home for Christmas. His dad flies to Washington to help him do the long drive back to Pennsylvania. Right. Just doesn't make a lot of sense to do a road trip then.
1: So I, I in my f- opinion, it's like, you know, I'm trying to get the car out of the vicinity. Wait, sorry. I don't follow what you're saying at all. Because the police released that they were looking for the car. And I actually... Even if even if they hadn't released that by the time they drove home. Like, when did the road trip begin with him and his dad? Do you know that?
0: Let's see here. Mid-December. So, December 15th is when he's pulled over. So, just around so then. So, I
1: guess... What date? December 13th is when they said the person in the white Elantra, that's our person?
0: Or that's, like, person of interest? Um, Chandler, please. Yeah. Please try to remember this. December 7th is Damien Rice's birthday. Sorry. And that was, so sorry. When yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. was when... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That
1: was when... Then he got the hell out of there and was like, I'm driving my car back. I'm taking a road trip home. That's a long way to drive. You know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you just fly home for Christmas break or whatever? Also during the winter in a, you know, yeah, it's just, I mean, maybe this, for some people, this isn't that long of a walk, but I think a, you know, sort of a cross country road
0: trip, you know, for Christmas break. Okay. But where else do you hide a car? Let's just play this out for a second. So let's say Brian decides not smart for me to drive my car home. Where where does he hide it? Right? And how does he yeah. tell his parents he's not bringing his car home? How does he say change of plans? I mean, whatever. Let's say you can get that tackled. Where does he hide the car?
1: Yeah. Who knows? I, I actually just think he was trying
0: to take the car out of the state. It seems to me like actually the smartest thing to do because there's a lot of white Hyundai Elantras, okay? The smartest thing to do is actually to get it the F out rather than leave it somewhere Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Near the, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm saying this was intentional by him. Gotcha. Gotcha. But then didn't you say that it wasn't smart though to take it on a road trip when clearly people were looking for it?
1: No, no, no. I mean, it's not not about taking it on a road trip. I just mean that doesn't make a lot of like logical sense for a normal person to do a road trip. Home across the country for Christmas break when typically you would just fly home for something like that,
0: right? 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 Well, maybe he was That's moving. Home. Who knows? There's there isn't information on that. Yeah, but I think that you're right. So the FBI did not know for sure that it was him. Um, and they definitely did not alert Indiana police to do some spooks um in terms of you know the pulling him over for the traffic stop. So this is where things start kind of clicking into place, right? So they know that he's a suspect. They know about the white Honda Elantra. They have his cell phone records. So with the volume of evidence, the roommate's description, the movement of the white Honda Elantra, and the cell phone data, all this evidence appears to point towards Koberger. Authorities mm-hmm. in, with all this, authorities in Idaho enlisted the help of Pennsylvania police to collect a DNA sample to test against the one recovered from the button snap of a tan leather knife sheath found in the bed near the victim, one of the victim's yes. bodies. So a note about this sheath.
1: Yes. He he wore gloves during the crime. And I think somehow, and this is going to be a recurring theme, I don't understand how he's a, you know, criminal justice PhD candidate, but is pretty stupid as a criminal. Um mm-hmm. because he doesn't realize that when he bought the knife originally, you know, when he probably handled it when he first got it, he has there's DNA on the sheath, on the button snap, like you said from when he first got it so it doesn't matter that he's wearing gloves when he commits the crime because there's like original dna from you know days weeks months prior
0: well and also you know don't leave the sheath that's also a thing oh that's yeah i
1: mean that's literally yeah it's like what
0: like leave the sheath in the elantra also this is my question what was the dna evidence right like was it a piece of skin i'm so curious like well Well, it's it's just like fingerprints right isn't it like fingerprints or like I guess DNA I just don't know that much about DNA evidence, but basically, yeah. is is your DNA all over everything you touch, or does, it need, to like does, it, no, does it need to no, be no, like every bit? Is it no? No, no, that's not, skin. Not like, is it hair?
1: No, I think DNA evidence can literally be like fingerprints.
0: No, really? okay, let's look this yeah. up really quick. Okay. Let's solve this really quick. Okay, DNA yeah. evidence examples: blood, semen, saliva, urine, feces, hair, teeth, bone tissue, and cells. I mean, no, no, no. There's DNA fingerprints. It says. Let's see. A wide range of
1: bio- uh, biological materials, including blood, soft tissue, saliva, et cetera, can be used as DNA sources. It has been proven that DNA can be obtained from even a single fingerprint.
0: Oh, interesting. Wow. So, and
1: I think too, like maybe, th- I think there was probably other DNA maybe at the crime scene besides just on the sheath, the, mm. the weapon, you know, accoutrements, uh, mm-hmm. if you will, that maybe they, they were able to cross check and like get, you know, multiple sources of DNA that like, you know, all were the same.
0: Right, right. So on December 27th, police in Pennsylvania recover a sample from the trash outside the Coburger family residence in Albright'sville. The Idaho State Crime Lab determines that the sample found in the trash likely belongs to the biological father of the person who left DNA on the knife sheath, according to the affidavit. At least 99.9998% of the male population would be expected to be excluded from the possibility of being the suspect's biological father, the affidavit said. So basically, obviously, they get some DNA from the trash of this family. And uh, it's not Brian's DNA, but it's his dad's DNA. And that is a close enough match. So three days later, Pennsylvania police arrest Koberger. He was extradited to Idaho, where he's expected to appear in court this coming Thursday. And in an interview with his lawyer, Jason Labar, the public defender said the suspect believes he is going to be exonerated. Okay, so Chandler, okay, give us your notes on this
1: case. Okay. So I have a few other builds. This, you did an excellent job though. This is said, this is laid incredible groundwork. I just have a few. things. Thank you. So some, some more tidbits that are, you know, just add to the eeriness of this whole case. Um, for starters, Zana, who was Ethan's girlfriend, was allegedly, according to, you know, records from her phone and everything, she ordered DoorDash around 3 or 4 a.m. Um, and according to her phone, she was on TikTok at 4 a.m., which kind of leads us to believe that she was probably awake, potentially eating or just scrolling when Brian entered the house and committed the crime. So crazy. So crazy. I mean... I have the chills just thinking about how many nights are you up super late? I mean, especially when you're in college, you're just awake doing whatever the hell you want because you know t- time isn't real, you don't have a <laughs> job, whatever. I don't need to go off on that tangent, but it's just like it's just such a classic such classic college behavior and then to be preyed upon in that moment is just horrific. Absolutely. It's horrifying. It's every every person's worst nightmare. The investigators really believe the murders happened within a 25-minute window. So, things were happening. It wasn't just like you know, everyone was asleep and that entire neighborhood was, like, dead. You know, like, there were things happening, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, yeah. a college town, especially especially a non-BYU college town where people are really partying, right. it's never really asleep.
1: Well, and the house is, like, just a little bit up the road from, like, Fraternity Row, which is just, like, you know, it's, like, On everything's a going all night long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to talk a little bit more about the roommate who, you know, saw allegedly brian um so she slept on the second floor and she told police that she opened her door three times that night okay after waking up around 4 a.m so the first time she woke up because she thought she heard Gonzalez or Goncalves, i don't know how you say Gonzalez, playing with her dog in one of the upstairs bedrooms which was located on the floor above her okay okay then a short time later she thought she heard that very same person saying something to the effect of there's someone here which is so eerie. You said this before, but I'm just trying to paint the picture of like the fact that this roommate was hearing things, mm-hmm. you know? And so they thought that they thought it might actually have been like Zana's voice because, you know, it's her cell phone records showed that she was awake on TikTok at four 12. The investigators believe the murder happened between four and four 25. So mm-hmm. at four 12, at right in the middle of that time, you know, zone, they thought she was awake and she was on TikTok, Like just the most benign, like, normal behavior what what all of us are doing so then she told police that when she looked out her door that time she did not see anything when she opened her door a second time after hearing what she believed was crying coming from Xana's room she heard a man's voice say something to the effect of it's okay i'm going to help you it's according to the affidavit so we don't know if that was ethan or that was brian we don't know so strange she said that she opened her door for a third time after th- thinking that she heard crying and when she, like to be spooked enough where you hear loud enough noise that you look outside your door like that's Ugh. that's loud you know that's not especially just, like, several the times house is creaking yes yeah that's what also is so terrible and scary about this is because we've all had those moments in our house where we think we hear something and then it's like nope it's fine and
0: right. like it's
1: just it's just like it's so normal and human to like think you hear something and most of the time it's nothing but then the fact that in this case, it was something is just like right. so eerie and so terrifying. And yeah. So anyways, so then for this final time that she looked out her door, she told police she saw a figure, you know, clad in black clothing with a mask, a surgical mask, not like a ski mask or something where it would cover their own face because she says that she could see the person's mouth because she could see that the person had bushy eyebrows, which is, you know, a, yeah, basically, you know, clear as day when you look at
0: Brian. But yeah. I bet you it was one of those like scarf masks, those things that like people pull up over their nose. Like a lot of guys wore them back in back in the COVID yeah, days. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, totally. Anyway, totally. We're digressing.
1: Um, it's almost it's honestly like uh when, like something you might wear when you're skiing, like a
0: bib or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so then a few more details about Brian that I recently. Wait, really quick. I want to say something about that roommate. Okay. So yeah, yeah. she witnesses him leaving at 4 a.m. does not call 911 until noon locks herself in her room until noon right very curious for your thoughts on why the delay because personally once i was once i was locked in my room i would call 911 immediately right i don't know i don't know i think that you know
1: what sounds the most normal to me is really i don't think she was paralyzed in fear till noon I think Mm. she thought it was somebody leaving the house. I think she thought it was just like some random, you know, this is a college house. Keep in mind, people are coming and going. People are, you know, hooking up with people. You know, it's just like there's a lot of foot traffic for a lot of just like normal college reasons. And so, I don't think that she I think she was maybe spooked by somebody by seeing someone, but I don't think she saw someone holding a knife or like it's not like she knew that something terrible had happened. And I then think she, she did, did know something
0: terrible. Well, and maybe not terrible had happened, but she was scared enough that she didn't leave her room till noon and was paralyzed in fear. So it wasn't like she thought nothing had happened. And
1: that's, but that's where you lose me, because I'm like, I mean, and I don't know. i thank goodness I've never been in one of these situations, but you know, I hope to God never to be, but like, uh, the, the idea that you would be paralyzed in fear for that long. And then, you know, it's not like she woke up and says, I saw this. I mean, I don't know, maybe the more evidence will come to light, but I don't think she like ran to her roommates and said, I saw this guy, like something's happened, you know, when she came to, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think a lot more is going to come out mm. about this scenario, but it's, it's almost like, it's so hard for me to believe that like she let that there was somehow like eight hours that passed or whatever.
0: Yeah. I hope, yeah, more details will have to come out. Um, Okay. Tell us your details about Brian.
1: A few more details about Brian that have kind of come to light. If we've, as we've realized who this, you know, alleged murderer is. So according to his like professors, he was an exceptional student and he, you know, they, they, the one professor said I'd only ever recommended two students to get for a PhD program. And he was one of them. Um, And then, you know, in speaking to, employees and you know people who used to see him at a bar a local bar we start to see maybe a little bit more about the type of guy that brian was um okay. he used to ask women who they were there with and where they lived he would ask very personal questions okay creepy one time when an, when an employee didn't want to answer his impers- his personal questions he called her a bitch and then okay. there was even a note on his tab that was like said something like "Watch out for this guy. He he has one to two beers and then starts to get too comfortable."
0: Oh, interesting, interesting. You know, and
1: so I, th- I mean, you and I worked in a restaurant, and I think, he's a ne'er do well. Like, he's a ne'er do well, but like you know, leaving note, leaving a note on someone's tab, I think was a pretty extreme measure. Like it was kind of like sure. you know everyone needs to beware that this person is like you know not absolutely not, not good, not a good actor. And then, you know, I'll just leave you with this final tidbit. Uh, because he is a vegan, the people at the jail are trying to are having to accommodate for his vegan lifestyle.
0: You know who else is a vegan? Ghislaine Maxwell (laughs) and Sam (sighs) Bakeman-Fried. So I've always said this. Vegans cannot be trusted. No, just kidding. Don't wanna I I don't wanna infuriate our vegan listeners. I was hesitant to even include this detail.
1: I just think it's like kind of crazy and maybe this is a, ultimately a good thing but it's just like the you know the people at the jail have to accommodate for do, you know, they? Quadruple do they have homicide. to
0: accommodate for that
1: apparently or at least they're tr- that's what i heard is that you know they're having to at least i don't know i think jail is also better than prison so i guess part it, I of my people- platform yeah should
0: i ever run for president would be yeah all inmates don't get uh, i don't know there's a criminal justice reform actually i don't think i need to wade into those waters yeah i was that's what i was gonna say for University of Idaho this guy for Brian no dietary restrictions no preferences right. give him the gruel tell him to shut up this guy
1: should not be getting you know the Erewhon version of jail food correct. that's all I correct say. correct um, yeah so anyways i mean i just think too those details about the bar that he frequented you know that just kind of reveals a little bit you know like it's just about the type of guy that he was and maybe the way he you know had interactions with women and maybe the way he saw women
0: yeah well he's certainly an unsavory character and it will be very interesting to see this case unfold in terms of what the motive is why he did this and you know why that roommate waited for so long you know the rest is still unwritten truly um and we'll be here reporting on the case i'm sure again updating everyone chandler thank you for your notes on brian i think you did a great job this episode I think you did
1: a great job as well. This is, yeah, so terrible. And I'm excited to see this fucker in the
0: slammer. Absolutely. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> um, You guys, Excuse this, my week, French. this week on Patreon, we are going to be having, so if you, I don't know if you missed it, but we released part nine of our Palace Papers Deep Dive. That was released on Friday. And then this upcoming Friday, we are going to have our reactions to Prince Harry's double Mm -hmm. interviews, 60 Minutes and ITV. He also is going on Good Morning America. So we're going to be summing up our favorite quotes. We're going to be giving all of our hot takes. Sign up for Patreon. The link in the show notes, it's what keeps this podcast alive. And when you join, you get access to 100 plus bonus episodes. All the good stuff. Um, Additionally, I will say this. So, The tennis bracelet giveaway is back on. We are going to do that through February 15th, and then it will be over, I swear. Sorry, everyone. We just are just finally getting kind of back to work after the new year. So you have about a month left to enter. Um, So to enter, all you do is shout us out on your Instagram stories, include a link to... One of your favorite episodes on your story, so your followers can click quickly, tap the link, listen to the show, and you will be entered. Don't forget to tag us so we see it and we'll reply, letting you know that you're confirmed entry. And then again, please don't say it's a giveaway, only recommend it to your friends if you actually would. And then um, if you don't want a tennis bracelet, we're also just going to do $500 cash if that's your preference. So that's all the housekeeping. Right. And may I leave the uh, closing sentiment? please.
1: Can I just say to everyone blessings on your road? (laughs) Be well, (laughs) be well. Bye. Bye.
0: That's all for now, folks. Don't forget. Give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at pop apologists and we will see you next week live every Wednesday.